0: Blob Talk Radio.
1: In a country barreling towards a crucial election while facing a pandemic, a liar-in-chief, fake news, and murder hornets, this is The Last 100 Days.
0: All righty, everybody. Welcome to the Last 100 Days podcast. It is Tuesday, August 18th, 2020. We are on day 77 and counting until the 2020 election on November 3rd. I am your host, Scott Fullerton, from the beautiful swing state of Ohio. And in just a minute, I'll be joined by my co host, as he does every Tuesday and Thursday, Mr. Brandon Carmi from the hot button area of Portland, Oregon. We're on day two of the Democratic National Virtual Convention, and again, I just want to thank them for allowing us to be the completely unofficial, official warm-up act for the main stage, starting in just about an hour. So let's go ahead and jump right on into it. Uh, Mr. Brandon Carmody, how the heck are you?
2: Good evening, Scott, and good evening, America. Oh, wait, are we still in America, at least temporarily? We still have rights? For Does at least rights?
0: another 77 days. So we got 77 days left, Then we'll find out. <laughs> it's I, I, I will day. just say
2: in the opening here, I'm not willing to give up hope. I am not willing to give up hope. I'm not willing to give up hope. I mean, the polls are tightening. Biden and Trump matchup tightens as enthusiasm hits new high. We still have Biden ahead, but we all know how we feel about these polls. We're right. in the convention
0: week. Nope. Exactly. They're tightening up every day. I don't like it, but they do in every election, no matter who's running, good guys, bad guys, and in between. So, uh, as you said, how much can we trust the polls? We honestly don't know. This is going to be a very interesting year to see how the polls go. They were such um, outliers last time, even though they were correct in a lot of ways. The polls said that Hillary Clinton was going to win, and she did win the popular vote by 2.8 million votes. So the polls were correct there on the national level, but on the state level, that's where the issue was because he won that electoral college by 78,000 votes. Uh, I think I, I heard him say last night in Michigan that the per precinct average was two votes. If there would have been two more votes per precinct for Hillary Clinton, she would have won Michigan last year. And that's how close it was last year. So we'll see how the polls go this year. It'll be very interesting to see how accurate they are. But in partly they were a little bit accurate in 2016 as far as the general election went. But as far as electoral college, not so much. So, do you watch any of the convention last night, my friend?
2: I did not. I'm going to be the first letdown of the night, but um, I do want to highlight that there's some discussion about that. Apparently, the ratings for last night's Democratic National Convention are down as much as 25 percent from 2016. So why don't we talk about that? This is a difficult task. The Democrats obviously going before the GOP with their convention first. It is all virtual. Some speeches are pre-recorded. Some may be live. Um, how are you feeling about that? They, they've survived one night. They're about to hit night number two. But we definitely got some rousing speeches out of last night, even though they may have been pre-recorded.
0: Right. Exactly. And and I said that on yesterday's show, going into it, they had estimated that there was only going to be about 33 percent of viewership towards the Democratic. Uh, convention and 32% for Republican. They were actually 1% lower predicted. Nobody's going to be paying too much attention. People are burnt out a little bit on some of the politics, so they weren't going to be highly done, plus they're not in person. So that does kind of pull to what they were saying with them being lower in the, in the ratings. I did only see the last couple of things, because I did my other radio show during the first part of it, It was very weird. i got to tell you, though, because I'm doing my radio show, my entertainment show, during the first hour and a half of it, right? And so I had the volume down to the TV going. And just because of the virtuality of it and the the cutting of all the different locations people were at, they had a lot more people on, but it was very hard visually to watch without the sound on. It looked very, very busy, I have to tell you. But I did tune in to the last two big – Keynotes of the evening with Bernie Sanders and Michelle Obama I saw both of those live and I was impressed by both So uh, do you want to go ahead and uh, start with Bernie We'll play a little clip from his first and talk about him for a second
2: That would be wonderful, love Bernie Sanders
0: Alright, here's a little bit, just a little about a little over a minute Of Bernie's speech last night We'll stay on the air and if we need to we can speak over it, here we go
1: If Donald Trump is re-elected, all the progress we have made will be in jeopardy. At its most basic, this election is about preserving our democracy. During this president's term, the unthinkable has become normal. He has tried to prevent people from voting, undermined the U.S. Postal Service, deployed the military and federal agents against peaceful protesters, threatened to delay the election, and suggested that he will not leave office if he loses. This is not normal, and we must never treat it like it is. Under this administration, authoritarianism has taken root in our country. I and my family, and many of yours, know the insidious way authoritarianism destroys democracy, decency, and humanity. As long as I am here, I will work with progressives, with moderates, and yes, with conservatives, to preserve this nation from a threat that so many of our heroes fought and died to defeat.
0: There you go. What do you think of that?
2: That is the perfect tie-in to the million-dollar question here regarding uh, – okay, I don't want to turn off the listeners. Is Bernie Bro – is that not politically correct? Are they like Bernie voters? What What are they officially called? Bernie Bro is probably a slang term, but they're the voters, the supporters of Bernie Sanders, right?
0: Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the so Bernie
2: the million, The million dollar question is going to be, will that subset of progressive voters follow Bernie Sanders' request here and cast their vote for Joe Biden? I mean, literally, you know, we need the progressives to come to the table here. Bernie Sanders has now twice, two elections, been in this position of losing the primary and getting up on that stage. What do you think? Is he he a uniter? Can he bring his people to the Biden camp?
0: I think last night he was much more of a, divi- of a uniter than four years ago. I think he was still a little bitter four years ago because it was very close. I mean, you got to remember, last year the race went right up until about two weeks before the convention, right? They were still trying to get uh, delegates till about two weeks before the convention. This one, um, Bernie dropped off about two and a half months ago, right after South Carolina. So he's had time – To assess it. He's had time to talk with Biden. Um, He has a better relationship with Biden than he has with Clinton. And I think he really was a uniter last night, much, much more than four years ago. I think he laid it out honestly. I think he was honest about it. He said that we don't agree necessarily on all our positions still. But if we are going to have any of our positions go through at all, they will only go through on a Biden presidency, they will never go through on a Trump presidency. So I think he made that delineation very clear. And there's still going to be people that are Bernie all the way and aren't going to vote for Obama. But I think Bernie has done uh, that aren't going to vote for Biden. Sorry. Um, But I I do think that Bernie has done everything he can possibly do to bring them on over to Biden. More so than I thought he did four years ago. So I don't think you can do
2: much. Well, well. so I have the transcript here from Bernie's speech. Uh, I, I just want to give a couple examples here. Let me offer you just a few examples of how Joe will move us forward. I do a terrible Bernie Sanders. Um, <laughs> Joe, supports ra- Joe supports raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Joe will make it easier for workers to join unions, create 12 weeks of paid family leave, fund universal pre-K, Joe will rebuild our crumbling infrastructure and fight the threat of climate change. And then he basically tops that off with by saying, my friends, I say to you, everyone has supported other candidates in the primary and to those who may have voted for Donald Trump in the last election, the future of our democracy is a stake. The future of our democracy is a stake. So that sounds very similar to the uh, extreme, you know, we're way past yellow alert for the Star Trek fans. We're into red alert territory with both the Bernie Sanders and the Michelle Obama speeches. They're both saying, you hey guys, this is uh the stakes are pretty much that democracy is on the line here. Is that what you took away from Bernie's speech, Scott?
0: Very much so. And like I said, I think he was he was much more conciliatory. I think it was still an upbeat speech. I mean, Michelle Obama, which we'll talk about in a second, hers was a little more even dire than Bernie Sanders, which is a little surprising to me. But, um, he, but he laid it out correctly. He, he laid it out the way it is. But I think he was a little more conciliatory, and it was a, a very good, very nice tone coming from Bernie last night. I was very impressed.
2: If you had to guess, does it go without saying that if we get a Biden-Harris administration, that the um, you know primary rivals that are now coming to the convention, such as Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, et cetera, does it go without saying that they get something in that administration? They get a cabinet position. They get to be postmaster general, toastmaster general. Is that your guess? They're going to be brought on board get a job
0: well he has a plethora of riches of people to bring into his cabinet so ordinarily i'd say yes um but the things you need to pay attention to is the senate right it depends what happens in the senate if we win a fairly um decent majority of the senate back yeah maybe you could because elizabeth warren and bernie sanders are senators right so, can he pull them up? Would they replace them? And would a special election still be a Democratic seat from Vermont and from um, where's Elizabeth from, Massachusetts? So, it, it's, it's a little different call. I think they'll definitely get their ideas heard. I think they'll have a seat at the table whenever they want to be involved. But whether they'll actually get a cabinet position, it really is going to depend on what happens with the Senate in the election as well. But he has great people to choose from in so many different levels of the government right now that I'm I'm not worried at all about that part. He's going to have a great cabinet. Hmm.
2: Okay, okay. Now, uh, First Lady Michelle Obama, of course, gave a rousing speech, which is all over my news headlines. But one thing that I didn't really know, and I, I learned by catching up on some shows, apparently she hates politics, and she hates having to be in a position of having to weigh in so politically, is that your takeaway? Is that your understanding of where Michelle, uh, Michelle Obama has been? Not uh, Oh, yeah. She of politics? said that
0: from day one back in 2008 when they first got elected. I mean, she was kicking and screaming all the way through the election that first year, 2008. I mean, she did a lot different. Everyone remembers her great speech in 2012 and everything and her great speech 2016. But 2008, when they were first running, she was not a happy camper overall. She does not like politics She never has liked the politics Part of the politicking Maybe is a better way to say it Um, And she is not a fan of it So no, that's always been her stance Let's go ahead and play A little portion of her She was a a firebrand on point For about 18 minutes We're going to play about two and a half minutes of it And as I said I think she was a little more pointed Than Bernie was even And good for her
3: Here is Michelle Obama A little clip from last night Look we have already Sacrificed so much this year So many of you Are already going That extra mile Even when you're exhausted You're mustering up Unimaginable courage To put on those scrubs And give our loved ones A fighting chance Even when you're anxious you're delivering those packages, stocking those shelves, and doing all that essential work so that all of us can keep moving forward. Even when it all feels so overwhelming, working parents are somehow piecing it all together without childcare. Teachers are getting creative so that our kids can still learn and grow. Our young people are desperately fighting to pursue their dreams. And when the horrors of systemic racism shook our country and our consciences, millions of Americans of every age, every background rose up to march for each other, crying out for justice and progress. This is who we still are, compassionate, resilient, decent people whose fortunes are bound up with one another. And it is well past time for our leaders to once again reflect our truth. So it is up to us to add our voices and our votes to the course of history, echoing heroes like John Lewis, who said, when you see something that is not right, you must say something. You must do something. That is the truest form of empathy. Not just feeling, but doing. Not just for ourselves or our kids, but for everyone, for all our kids. And if we wanna keep the possibility of progress alive in our time, if we wanna be able to look our children in the eye after this election, we have got to reassert our place in American history and we have got to do everything we can to elect my friend Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. Thank you all. God bless. There
0: you go. Powerful stuff. What do you think?
2: Yes. Well, so there so we're we're hearing a bit bits and pieces of an 18-minute speech which is ultimately some people have described it as possibly the best political speech they've seen in their lifetime um just one a couple of takeaways is that she's clearly clearly and directly like there's no doubt about it anymore taking aim at the uh the racism the divisiveness and and the vitriol that's come out of this president this administration there's no mincing of words there anymore you know um <laughs> and uh the president was asked about a response today uh literally uh here's here's a quote from the president well she's in over her head and frankly she shouldn't have she should have made the speech live which she didn't uh she taped it and not only was it taped but it was taped a long time ago she had the wrong desk she didn't even mention the vice presidential candidate. So, the death count mentioned in her speech was 150,000. We have actually now crossed 170,000. So, the president, foolishly, just bef- sheer buffoonery, Scott, is literally saying she didn't even have the right death count. It's like, yeah, but those deaths are on you, dude. It's like, this is amazing. Right. <laughs> she, she wins. She So, if it was a who wins the day, who wins the week, it's Michelle Obama. He, his attempt to clap back is not working. One more thing. Chris Wallace of Fox News. Uh, I'm doing some opposition research here. Listen to this. Veteran Fox News anchor Chris Wallace praised former First Lady Michelle Obama's virtual speech at the DNC. It was a heck of a contribution. She really flayed, sliced and diced Donald Trump, talking about the chaos and confusion and lack of empathy, especially coming from this president. And this White House spoke more about the deficits of Donald Trump than the pluses of joe biden but did talk about especially not so much policies so chris wallace is basically saying kudos good job michelle i mean uh fox news has turned on him buddy that's that's bad for him
0: yeah i gotta say it was i mean she it was a masterful speech it really was if you listen to just that first part of it without bringing it up blatantly She brought up everything that was going on, right? She said she talked about the healthcare workers without having to talk about the COVID. She talked about the postal service without having to say postal service. She was actually she was able to talk about teachers going back to school without saying about going back to school. But she did she used allegory to each one of those that were straight up into the forefront of everyone's mind right now. And Chris Wallace is exactly right. I mean, she, if you look at the polling right now, one of the sad things about the polling is Joe Biden only has a 34 percent of people that are voting for Joe Biden. But there's 53 percent that are voting against Donald Trump. And so she played to that because that's, that was – her st- speech was 53% against Donald Trump and about 34% to Joe Biden. So she, it was masterful in knowing the logistics of it. Now, I am going to probably piss off all of our um, liberal <laughs> listeners right now because I am going to agree with Donald Trump. It should have been live. I think the Democrats are very, very bad at optics. They've always been very bad at optics. I think that this should have taken place in Milwaukee, whether it was from a abandoned TV station in Milwaukee, but to actually do it in Milwaukee, who he promised to do it from. I think Michelle's speech should have been done live on, on there. I don't care about the death count. I think you're right on that. I think it shows more about him than it does her facts. But I, I think that that should have been a live speech, and I disagree to, to show a pre-taped speech from someone of her caliber with a speech of that caliber at the most important kickoff to an event we have going to do a phoned-in pre-taped speech was probably not the best move. I think Democrats blow the optics quite, Excuse me, quite a bit, so I have to agree with President Trump on that which kills me to say that right now I've got a little throat up in the back of my throat right now, but uh, I, uh, yeah, I think I I, 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 I have
2: one of those barf bags ready. Um, no, I, I saw this <laughs> move coming though. I saw this move coming and I have a supporting move to throw down here. So quoting from WISN, W-I-S-N, this is a uh, ABC station out of Milwaukee. Headline title is, Will Virtual DNC Convention Impact Political Climate in Wisconsin? So this is how this ties in. Um, Hang on here. Let me find the quote. Democratic consultant Joe Pecky believes Biden's virtual appearance at the convention will make no difference to voters. He says anyone who's trying to convince you the Democrats will lose Wisconsin in 2020 hinges on whether or not Joe Biden steps foot in the state. They're playing a game. So um, this has been called out. You know, a virtual appearance is not the same as coming to the state. And I think we may have talked about this last week, Scott, but as Biden is doing the virtual convention, uh, Trump jumped on a bus tour, as you probably have noted, he's rolling around the country and even going through Scranton, Pennsylvania. PA.
0: Exactly. Scranton. Exactly. So, yeah, so like I said, I don't know if it'll move poll numbers. I just think optics wise, you know, I always look at the optics and say this. And so I I was a little disappointed in the optics, but, Overall, like I said, I thought it was a good start to the night. A couple other big highlights for me is they had the George Floyd family kind of kick things off with a prayer and get things started. They had a bunch of children in red, white, and blue all over the country to pledge allegiance and, and the uh, national anthem. Um, I thought it was very powerful. They had that uh, Kristen – I don't know how to say name – uh, or Kiza or something That talked about her father's death From COVID and blaming it squarely On Trump I thought that, that yes. was very powerful So it was a pretty powerful first night overall um, Billy Porter Closed the show which I love Billy Porter representing our LGBTQ Community with a closing song So overall I think they did a nice kickoff to the event So So we'll give it that way Tonight is going to be interesting The lineup tonight. I'll go through everybody, and uh, you can kind of jump in where you want to jump off of here. But they're going to have um, John Kerry, Chuck Schumer, Bill Clinton, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, Sally Yates, uh, Lisa Blunt Rochester, President Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter, Senator Chris Coons, uh, A.D. Barkin, and then Jill Biden is going to bring it home with John Legend being the musical guest. Any of those people you want to start with talking about what they might bring to the table tonight?
2: Well, let's okay, we're going to talk about former President Bill Clinton. Um quoting from Politico, the byline literally reads the Bill Clinton comeback is making uh, is coming back soon. It says his centrism is out, but his way of making an argument deserves a revival. So, um, there is a lot to be said for having a living former president of the United States, you know, get up on that convention stage or actually, God, I've just got to get that verbiage out of my mind. They're not stepping up on the convention stage. Do you know how hard <laughs> it is to try to even do this commentary? They're stepping in front of a camera and God knows where. I'm not even sure where Clinton will be. But
3: right. um,
2: for those of us that do remember his 1992 convention acceptance speech, um, Bill Clinton was just moving And just sent this electrified Energy through it was like on the same par As what you got out of the Election night acceptance speech out of Barack Obama I mean so Bill Clinton At his best is a dynamic Speaker whether or not he can move The needle Again you're talking about a president That's been mired in so much controversy What do you think
0: Right Um, I think he's a good speaker Uh, He tells Um, I think, actually, uh, who was it? Um, I forget the commentator, but one of the people who was in his cabinet says Bill Clinton is a storyteller. He tells good stories, and he's always good for that, and I think he probably will have a good story. But does it bring baggage? Yeah, it definitely brings baggage with it. I I agree 100% with that. But he is such a good orator that we'll see what happens. Um, Whether it will move a needle, I'm not sure. But I do like that we I mean, that brings to another point and that I'll kind of wrap together with Bill Clinton that you said there. Um, Eva Longoria kind of played MC last night for lack of a better word for the first night. Tonight, Tracy Ellis Ross, who's Diana Ross's daughter, and of course on that TV show Blackish. Um, she is doing the same thing today. Marco Rubio tweeted out last night, Something along the lines of, oh, look, they have celebrities in charge of the Democratic Convention. That's not out of touch at all. Um, And he got immediate blowback for it because, uh, yeah, you kind of elected a reality guy as president last time. So you might want to watch. And Scott Baio is probably going to be your headliner at your convention, so be careful. So I thought that was amusing, but it's going to be interesting to see – how these people play out there they're talking about celebrity and everything and is Bill? and they also along with the celebrity part they're talking about the blowback was well yeah we actually have a couple of presidents coming to ours are you going to have any president coming to yours because uh george w is not coming to the republican convention he's not even voting for bush so that's right
2: that's right they're sitting it out in protest that's right thank you for reminding us all of that
0: Right. So there's going to be no presidents on the Republican side. There will be uh, three presidents on the Democratic side, Clinton, Obama, and Jimmy Carter and his wife. So just the optics on there I like a lot. So to hell with our little celebrity thing, dig at Eva Longoria and Tracy Ellis Ross. Take that. We have presidents, damn it. Anyway, um, go ahead.
2: One thing, one, th- <laughs> one thing I want to say here, and and what you were saying earlier, Scott, <laughs> you, when you invited me to do this show with you, and thank you, by the way, you, you said it was open license to put you know the real feelings out there, what needs to be said. So what your feelings about the optics, don't feel bad about that. If that's where you're at and that's what you're feeling about it, go with it. Um, but here's one thing that I want to say, because I've been doing some opposition research so that I can try to at least... Try to understand the other side. There is a hit piece out in the Daily Mail today. I mean, this cannot be a coincidence of the night of his convention speech, but they put out (laughs) a photo today of Bill Clinton receiving a neck massage from an Epstein victim. And never before seen photos during a trip uh to Africa in two thousand and two it's just a simple photo you know it looks like they're in a barber shop, and she's giving him it's it's innocuous, but just the hit piece the mirror implications of Bill Clinton getting an exercise from an epstein victim I mean to release this piece on the day this is just this is the nasty tone. Of which the campaign has come down to the October surprise that we've talked about on every episode. I'm not even sure there's going to be one October surprise. There's going to be an October 1st surprise, an October. <laughs> Maybe we're getting right, it now. Exactly. Maybe we're getting the surprises already in August. Maybe it'll just be a daily gift bag all the way up until election day. But I just wanted you to know that Daily Mail put out this nasty hit piece on Bill Clinton today. No coincidence there, buddy.
0: I just got to commend them on their brass-sized balls for putting this stuff out, knowing that Trump's background, too, that he was a good friend of Epstein's, and then he recently said at a press oh, conference that yeah. he wicked that Gusane that, uh, Maxwell well. I mean, they, they point out this stuff, forgetting who they're dealing with on their side. I just think it takes huge brass balls to do that. I'm impressed that they can bring this stuff up, to be honest. Kind of funny.
2: Yeah, I'll put it. I'll put it this way: the Royals shouldn't be the only one afraid that Kellie uh, Maxwell is going to drop names and dates and events. I mean, Jesus. Right. What would the implication be, by the way, if the sitting president of the United States got connected with that? And okay, so so in the interest of time, uh, so your Democratic lineup for tonight obviously includes President Jimmy Carter and his wife Rosalind Carter. One thing I want to say about right. them. What an endearing spirit uh, that gentleman is for, you know, working on those projects for Habitat for Humanity, building homes with his bare hands, even after he fell and he got bruised up. Did you see that? He continues to work right. his arse off building homes for Habitat for Humanity. Um, so I I, you know, I don't expect any needle-moving speeches out of Jimmy Carter, but I think that that's also important that we hear from Jimmy Carter. But it really I, I got to tell you, to be honest with you, the one name on the list that is most important that I think you need to hear from is Dr. Jill Biden, because if they win, she's the first lady. What do you right. What do you hope to hear from, and what do you think about Joe Biden?
0: Well, I think she's going to bring the personal side of Joe Biden. Going to bring, I think uh, they're trying to to humanize um, Joe to kind of relate to. What she met of him, because I mean, you gotta understand, she, they were together when he was broken, when he lost his wife and his daughter, right? So she's seen yes. him at his worst. Um, so she, it's kind of it's going to be a humanization of Joe Biden. So I think that could be very powerful. Um, I haven't heard her speak a lot. I thought her and Michelle Obama did great work on behalf of veterans, when they were first ladies and second ladies. They did a lot of good work, but I honestly did not hear her speak that much, except in tandem with Michelle, who always kind of took the thunder a little bit. Um, but I think she'll be fine. I mean, she's a teacher, right? She, she's used to giving lectures. She's used to talking. I think she'll do great, and I think her main job tonight is probably to show us the underbelly human side of Joe Biden, and I think she'll probably be very effective at that. But that will be interesting to see it. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Now I've got to play dirty yet again. So, see, I'm the bad cop for this episode. So, I like that. Uh, remember that. Remember that little story that I just told you about the night of Bill Clinton's convention speech? Daily Mail dropped some dirty stuff? Well, guess right? what I have in front of me on Fox News? Jill Biden's ex-husband accuses her of an affair with Joe Biden in the 1970s. And no, folks, I couldn't make this spit up. So here's here's what he said. Um, His name is Stevenson. I don't want to hurt anyone. He's working on a book that includes this lurid claim. But facts are facts. And what happened happened. So he alleges that. Uh, his then wife grew close to Biden in 1972 while working on his first campaign to represent Delaware. And then that was the same year that tragedy struck when Biden's first wife, Nellia, and infant daughter were killed in a crash. So this guy stands just like Bolton and everybody else to make b- money off of his book, but he's coming out. This actually came out yesterday, but he's coming out the day before her convention speech basically saying, yeah, my wife cheated on me with Joe Biden. I mean, God, Scott. I mean, this is the nasty underbelly of Republican politics that her ex-husband is coming out nearly 50 years later and saying she cheated. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. But that's a dirty trick. That's a dirty political trick. They're trying to point the lasers and get us to look away.
0: Right. No, I think it's the money grab for him. I haven't even heard that said on Republican circles yet. So – Maybe they won't even use that. This sounds like it's a money grab from the X. Probably is a true statement. I don't know. I wasn't there. We'll see what happens. But I, it's not going to stick. I mean, as I said, the ball's on them to, to if they wanted to bring that up with him uh, and his three wives, Trump's three wives. They don't even want to go there. <laughs> so what he was doing there. So it, it, it's a non-story as far as the election goes. This could be just a fun little titillating piece to put out there, and for this guy to make some money. So I'm not overly concerned about it. But you're right; it does show their character. That's for damn sure. It does show the character.
2: So tonight is the midway point. Uh, I'm just I'm just clicking on their calendar real quick. I didn't look ahead. Okay, let's look at Thursday the 19th. Kamala Harris, former President Barack Obama. So, oh, you get to do this one with your other co-host. Okay, I get to sit this one out. Wait, 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 wait. Performance by Billie Eilish. Speaking will be Senator Elizabeth Warren, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton. <laughs> A performance by Jennifer Edson, Kamala Harris, and Barack Obama. Okay, tomorrow night's awesome. Tomorrow night looks even better than tonight in some ways, buddy.
0: Oh yeah, tomorrow night's going to kind of kick ass a little bit I think it's going to be pretty good But uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting night tomorrow night for sure But it's I, like I said, I think you're right I think tonight's probably a little bit of a snoozer It's important, I mean like I said They have um, Sean Kerry, who ran for President loss, He was Secretary of State He's He's an okay guy But I don't know what he's going to bring to the conversation To be honest with you Chuck Schumer is, of course, our second in command of the Senate. He's important. We should listen to him. I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez will be important. Sally Yates, the acting U.S. Attorney General that got fired. I don't know what she's going right. to bring to it, especially. Um, Lisa Blunt Rochester is actually just a House Representatives person from Delaware, and Chris Coons is a senator from Delaware. So they'll have that hometown, I guess, appeal, but I don't know what they'll actually – bring to the conversation um, I think the three main things to look or there's gonna be four things to look for tonight what Clinton says because as we said he's always a good storyteller I think what um, Jill Biden says closing the thing up and then the two that I'm most interested to hear from all of them is probably going to be um, AOC and this 80 Barkin guy, which I didn't know anything about, but I looked him up just a little bit, and he is actually a progressive activist and attorney that um, is, is very much on the front. So I think it's interesting to bring in two of the progressive strong times. I mean, Bernie was really the only progressive represented last night, right? And he was very much right. moderate and trying to push people that way. So tonight you're going to have two stalwart purely progressives in AOC and this 80 Barkin person. So it's going to be interesting to see what they say, how it's fun against them. But those are really the only yeah. two I'm interested in besides uh, listening to President Clinton and Joe Biden. But tomorrow night, I'm setting the DVR. It's going to be. Well, well
2: that's crazy. Hillary, I mean, you get Elizabeth. So, by the way, um, I just did a show, premiere show earlier on my other network where it was mentioned on there that. um, that co-host was all for Elizabeth Warren. And we got to remember that, that there were people that were ready to go with that type of direction. So it's important to hear Hillary Clinton. Of course, we saw a run in 2008, but most famously came oh so close to clinching the presidency, he did win in the popular vote. But yeah, uh, let's talk about Barack Obama for one second here. At the eulogy for John Lewis about two weeks ago, the Uh, former president Barack Obama during the eulogy for John Lewis got surprisingly political and went for the jugular on Donald Trump. And my jaw just hit the floor, Scott, with uh, the portions of what Barack Obama said about Trump without even naming him by name at John Lewis's eulogy. And it became clear to me that Barack Obama is back, back into that political arena, ready to fight and try to bring it back home to, uh, well, (laughs) <laughs> for those that love the Barack Obama, Joe Biden administration to bring it back to that type of politics. But uh, think, yeah, think I... what you will about Joe Biden. I don't I don't think we've seen what Biden would be like as the head guy. But you got to understand that, you know, when he was with uh, Barack Obama for eight years, their policy is pretty much aligned.
0: Oh, very much so, I think. Yeah. Now I think uh, I think Barack is going to take the gloves off. I think he feels like maybe I don't know if he has any remorse for, 2000, for 2016, even though it wasn't his fight to lose. But he could have a little bit of of, uh, of feelings about how 2016 went. So I, I don't think he's going to hold back this one. He's not going to let this happen again if he can help it. And I think he's been speaking up enough to show that fact. So to see how he comes out swinging tomorrow night, is going to be very oh wait, are you
2: saying are you saying that Barack Obama's speech at the convention tomorrow night will be like a thousand plus what we saw at the Lewis memorial? I mean, is he really gonna up the up the temperature?
0: I think so. I don't know what it's supposed to be about, but I think he probably will. That's my gut feeling. I have no yeah. idea really. I honestly don't know what he's supposed to speak about. But I think he's gonna turn up the heat a bit. I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see what he says tomorrow night.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, Do you mind if I bring up a Joe Biden topic? Uh, Again, having done a little bit of the opposition research here. And I think that you wanted to to cover this anyway. So you were telling me before we went to air that uh, the Trump campaign has uh, got a Biden ad, like just another ad uh, attacking Biden, but it has something to do with his cognitive abilities. And that is something that is really starting to get these kind of replays on conservative media in circles. Chris Wallace of Fox News who praised Obama, uh, Michelle Obama's speech that we just talked about said a week ago, why isn't Joe Biden doing any sit down interviews and really letting, you know, a one-on-one in-depth interview going on. Um, so that has everything to do with the Trump uh, commercial, the new ad. Literally, I have not pulled up in front of me. Please, no one hate me, but I have InfoWars Alex Jones site in front of me. This is what I have to do. I'm having to do this so that none of you have to. But it says, new Trump ad questions Biden's mental faculties with sad before and after clips. And it literally says, did something happen to Joe Biden? A new Trump campaign ad questions before going on the attack and highlighting Biden clips past and present to make the case that his mental faculties are in decline. Oh, I'm almost out of breath okay, is this dirty or is there some possibility that there is a mental decline and that the good guys in the DNC are trying to hide this? I know that's going to make me hate it on your show, but is there, is it possible there's something
0: to this? I can't tell you. Um, I honestly don't know. I, I, it's been brought up enough where people are starting to believe it is a sad thing. Whether it's true or not, I think the debates are really going to show it. I don't think we're going to know until the debates happen. I think that's when I will be able to make a more informed decision. But I do want to talk about this ad because I, I want to talk about ads a general bit tonight because this is another part of Trump's savviness and what they did so well in 2016 and they're doing now. You're saying a few people might see it. You went and saw this on Alex Jones site, which is a wackadoodle conspiracy guy, right? Do you know where this ad is yes, playing at?
2: Yes, but don't Dick, take your eyes off him. Don't take your eyes off him. He's got the constant, constant, uh, you know, call in guest of Roger Stone and Trump himself has been on Alex Jones' show. So as wackadoodle right, as he but is. That's,
0: yeah, but that's people yeah. that have already drank the Kool Aid that watch these already, right? So it's not bringing new yes. people into that. But the beauty of this, do you know where this ad is playing?
2: don't say wisconsin oh please don't say wisconsin
0: worse he bought michigan he <laughs> he bought the no worse he bought the front page of youtube for 2 days 48 hours straight so when if you log into youtube right now it's on the home page of youtube everyone who oh logs God. into youtube is going to see this ad so he is smart. Is that, the guy I is didn't even know that was like an option. Thong.
2: I didn't yeah, even know they sell that ad space. Oh, my God. Yeah, Scott's right. Oh, my God. It's right here. It's literally, oh, my God, the top banner on YouTube. Did something happen to Joe Biden? I'm not even going to repeat. It's going to the be, for be there for oh
0: 48 hours. It's going to be there for 48 hours. Oh, my God. This is the most viewed site days. on the
2: Internet. It's the most exactly. viewed site on the Internet.
0: Oh, my That's God. Alex Jones doesn't count. Those are people that already drank the Kool-Aid anyway, right? Yes. But this is yes. going to go to everyone that looks at YouTube, who looks at YouTube, 18 to 29-year-olds, a huge demographic. Everybody everybody basically goes to YouTube. So, I mean, they do very smart things. He has bought Politico. When I did my research for today's show, I go to Politico. I go to Foresight. And I always try to do Foresight's my research for the show just so you guys know. I go to CNN, I go to Fox News, I go to NBC News, and I go to Politico. And Politico is bought by all Trump ads right now. Politico is a very balanced um, political news site, right? But every ad on Politico right now is Donald Trump. They make very, very smart ad buys and that's where he gets his advantages, where he gets these voters that you don't think of. But this YouTube buy and this political buy, I think, is probably so savvy, and I told you about it a couple weeks ago, that I think that, that Brad Parscale guy that was in charge of it in 2016 mm-hmm. and was demoted back to it this season, he knows how to play these things. So that's the danger of it, um, is they, they know what they're doing there. They know where to the these ads to get the most eyes for it. So that's yeah. that's going to be a, a tough 48 hours for Joe um, because everyone's going to see this ad and it's and it's I watch it. it's a pretty powerful ad. Um, I I don't know whether I don't I can't say whether it's true or not. I'm hoping it's not true. I don't think it is true. Do you I'm mean not as far as moving a, the
2: needle? As far as moving the needle on undecided voters, is that is that what's at stake? No, as is far, that far what as it's even
0: true or not, if he actually has declined or not. Oh, I, oh! I just, to, just, just put, to, to,
2: do Inception to do Inception to right. the, you Just plant that idea that he's got a mental deficiency, right? Just
1: plant exactly, that seed of exactly.
2: doubt. Okay, God, that's like the so, same thing as basically saying someone's a philanderer. Or just put that allegation out there; they get it stuck right. in their mind, true or not, right? That's
0: exactly it. Exactly it. So yeah, so that's that's the that's the insidiousness of that ad you were talking about the, of of the placement of it. They were uh, they've. The ad itself is bad enough that they're going to try to plant that seed, but the savviness of where they bought airtime for that ad is what's going to really make the difference.
2: So looking at the DNC schedule, it is Thursday, August 20th in that final hour, that 10 to 11 p.m. Eastern time slot that they have Vice President Joe Biden listed as the final speaker. Of course, we saw that coming, but... The question will be how many of the speakers between tonight and Thursday talk heavily about Joe Biden versus, like you were saying, with the uh, Michelle Obama. It's almost like a political strategist said you need to go after Trump more than talk about Joe Biden. Right. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how much Biden talk we hear from others, because if they're trying to connect with voters and with progressives and people within our own conflicted party, they've got to sell their candidate. They really, really yep. have to sell their candidate.
0: Oh, very true. You're exactly right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, it, it was, last night was interesting. I think tonight doesn't have quite maybe the star power overall, besides maybe Bill Clinton. I mean, people like uh, AOC, she's going to get some. Stacey Abrams is going to be on tonight, shove some big eyes. It is kind of, from an LGBT standpoint, I know there's going to be three LGBT representatives from across the country that are um, in the House or in state houses. I'm looking forward to seeing how they come across. The best thing about this virtual thing is they do have such a diverse group of speakers that you may never have seen before if you if they only had the in-person convention. They wouldn't have the time for it. They wouldn't have the space for it. They couldn't afford to get everyone there. So you are seeing some really interesting people speaking, which I, I am kind of liking that opportunity.
2: Yeah, finding out that some of the speeches were pre-taped, Scott does answer some questions for me because I thought about it logistically. Like, geez, when we've seen live aid and all these really big concerts. So they have five stages. Like we've got Lady Gaga on a stage in London and you've got Paul McCartney over here. Like, so they have a mix of people that are live and pre-taped. That's how they're able to pull this off. Um,
0: right. In and the minutes that, that we I have. Go ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, and it's Senate understandable.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Well, uh, so this directly impacts this election, A Senate Intelligence Committee final report today reveals damning new information about Trump's Russia ties. They basically confirmed the willingness of all the key players in the Trump campaign to work with the Russians to, you know, sow that seed of doubt. And uh, this was a GOP-backed panel that released this damning report indicating that Paul Manafort was at the heart of everything and so they were talking about the Trump campaign's open willingness to accept the Russian help in 2016, confirmed now by his own GOP colleagues. Are we looking at another Russian attack? I mean, that that's the second headline here. Senator Ron Wyden is literally out there saying right now there is evidence of ongoing Russian election meddling right now that's being covered up, something that's in progress that we don't know about. I want to know about that, Scott. I want to know what – the intelligence is telling us right now, but they can't tell us.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. But at least we know what's happening this time. I mean, you got to remember last time we heard about all this after the election was over, right? All this stuff yes. we heard about the uh, Russian interference, we heard after November 8th, whatever it was last year. Um, so we didn't know about this happening. We do know this year. So it is going to be important to see what they can get out to us. I mean, it was his own Justice Department a couple of weeks ago that said, that, yeah, the Russians are interfering, China's interfering. It said like three or four places they were interfering, but it says they have documented proof of the Russians. They don't know exactly what the other players are trying to do. They just know they're doing something because of the chatter. They actually have documented proof of what's happening with the Russians. So, this, I mean, this report that came out today from the Senate Intelligence was damning in a lot of ways, but if you read the final appendix, they still say But again, it shows that there was no collusion. What? Did you read what you just said? (laughs) So it's like, it was very interesting. The Republican uh, appendix to it was no collusion, and Democrats' appendix was, so it proves our point that there was collusion. So they still disagreed on it. But there was a lot more points, as you say, it was a Republican committee, and they did Um, agree with a lot of the things that were going on as far as interference-wise. So it was a very interesting report. We only have three or four minutes, so we'll jump into a couple things that I'll do for some housekeeping. Um, The postmaster, we've been talking about the post office for the last week and a half here of what's going on with the slowing down of the mail, with removing stores, with removing mailboxes. The Postmaster blinked today that uh, Postmaster General Louis DeJoy De announced today that he was suspending all uh, operational initiatives that he Im- implemented until after the election. They're getting so much blowback on this, which I didn't know why they did not know it was going to happen. But they are going to stop taking out these things, stop removing things. Didn't say if they're going to put the ones back that they already took out. But uh, they, he did stop any of his new initiatives from when he took office is now halted. He is going in front of a Senate Intelligence Committee on Friday where he'll have friendly fire from a Republican Senate intelligence, even though there will be Democrats asking hard questions. And then he'll be going into the harder questions at the House of Representatives next week where he'll get uh, a little more grilling from Democrats and some softballs for Republicans. So, we'll see what happens. They're trying to make this, they're trying to nullify this election through the post office. And today they blinked a bit. We'll see how where that plays out. I think that's going to be interesting over the next couple days. What are your thoughts on that
2: on on the US Postal story though? There are so many other elements that are tied up into it. The American First first of all, if you look at any polling, I didn't even realize, like, what do you think about the post office? The Postal Service gets a high ranking because the public relies on it for checks, for medicines, for so many different things. So the USPS is entrenched in our society, and the American public pretty much expects it to be a multibillion-dollar losing you know, corporation in a way. They've never expected the USPS to be profitable. But for him to install his own crony, just like he did with Bill Barr, to start slowing the wheels during a global pandemic where you need to get people out of those voting lines and into the secure mail-in ballot. I mean, this is blatantly political. The president already said on Fox Business what his plan was. The playbook has already been revealed here. They can't Just do something that blatant. Deal it by blocking the mail-in votes. But by the way, let me just kind of skip to the end. Even if they clean this up, and what did you say? 72 days, 71 days? What do we got? Somewhere in there, right?
0: 77 days. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, we want to remind the folks that election day of November 3rd is election day, but that's not the same day that you know early voting states and these mail-in ballots are key in play it's in the month of August it's in the month of September and it's in October so they've got to resolve the USPS thing now otherwise the uh, week and the day of election night will just be a disaster not only will you not have an election result that night but there's lawyers on both sides already ready to drag it into the courtroom in multiple nasty directions so all you need is for one snare with the mail-in ballots to give either side ammunition to fire up their lawyers and get the court process started. In fact, it's a foregone conclusion. I'm calling it right now. You're gonna have a Bush v. Gore type major shit show, pardon my French, it's gonna be a political disaster. We may not know for days, weeks, who knows? I'm telling you, we may not even know in the month of November unless they get it through the courts quickly, which I doubt. This is going to be an ugly. election. I agree. Very, very. I agree.
0: Ugly. I think there's going to be at least six lawsuits coming from Trump, at least six unless it's a blowout election. The only time that we can stop it is to blow out election. We're not seeing that happen. We're seeing a tightening. So, all right, we got to wrap it up. We're out of time here. Um, tomorrow I will talk about the uh, payroll tax deferral plan. A lot of people came out today, including the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is very Republican-led, National Retail Federation, National Association of Manufacturers, saying do not do a moratorium on payroll taxes. So it's going to hurt the people overall. Someone making $35,000 a year would only see their check up by $83 every other week, but they would owe $751 at the end of the year. Anyone making $75,000 would see $178 every other week, but they would have to pay back $1,609 at the end of the year. So they're saying it's not going to be a good thing. Brandon, let everyone know where they can find you real quick and where they can find your new show at, my friend.
2: Um, I am on GBC News. I have a brand-new show, which is called The Queer View with host Alina Roberts, which launched today. Very excited about that. And you can always go to com.
0: There you go. Guys, you can find me at Left of Straight. Uh, You can always find the Left of Straight show immediately following the Last 100 Days podcast. Um, We'll have that up in just a couple of seconds here. We're going to play out. Well, let's repeat. I think Michelle Obama deserves to be heard twice. So we're going to play out to Michelle Obama again. little clip from last night. We'll be back tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday right here, 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Eastern time. It's the Last 100 Days podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
3: Look, we have already sacrificed so much this year. So many of you are already going that extra mile. Even when you're exhausted, you're mustering up unimaginable courage to put on those scrubs and give our loved ones a fighting chance. Even when you're anxious, you're delivering those packages, stocking those shelves. doing all that essential work so that all of us can keep.